0: Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decad, your Rosary on the Road. I have, uh, we're wrapping, we're keep going through the prayers that we have sort of in the, in the backlog. Uh, today, um, I haven't even checked the email, so I don't even know whether I have any intentions in there or not. That's not out of neglect, uh, and it's certainly not out of carelessness. I just I have this list of prayers I'm going through. If you have emailed me, uh, don't worry. I will see it over the weekend. We'll get things planned out. We've got one more prayer from this week. We've got to do on Monday and then I'll go through the rest of the week one by one by one Uh, so as prayers come in we'll get them all lined up and I I really, I can't tell you all how delighted I am excited I am that I have this problem this is the problem that I've been hoping for ever since we started doing this thing so it's a a good problem to have now watch, I've said that next week will be a drought that's how things always happen Uh, I I do have a prayer request for today. It's one of those funny things where, you know, the Protestants that I've prayed for this week somehow all end up landing on Latin days. And the one Catholic I prayed for ended up landing on an English day as we go through day over day. Uh, that's not planned. I did them chronologically, and I said to myself, I'm not going to vary from that chronologically. We're going to pray in the order we receive them. That's fair. It's just. It's right. I try to do what's right by everybody. So what ended up happening is the prayers that we said uh, for uh, for some of our friends ended up, they, they listen can't understand the prayers I'm sorry. Well, I think I might go back to doing the uh, thing I was doing when I first started this out, which is alternating back and forth between Latin and English as we went through a decade. But that's for housekeeping, and that's for me to figure out as I go along. And I'm already talking too much. I'm going to keep this one a little shorter. I've noticed that I lose about 20 listeners... Every time I cross the 29-minute mark, for some reason, anything over 29 minutes, 20 of y'all just stop, just won't even tune in, won't, won't listen to it at all. That's too long. So I'm going to try to make an effort to carve these things back a little bit, make the 27-minute mark my cutoff, and never talk for more than that amount of time. I usually don't have too much to say more than what needs to fit into that space of time. Anyway, forces me to be more disciplined and makes it hopefully a little bit more of an edifying listening experience for all of you as well after all i'm not talking into the ether just to hear the sound of my own voice i can do that in the car without the headphones and the phone and the, the recording going uh, and sometimes i do uh, it's, it, it is the way that it is what it is anyway today i want to turn our attention to a, a close for a, a close friend, someone i consider to be a close friend um, I hope that he feels the same way. I met him through uh, the circles that uh, that we share um, and our mutual friends uh, with Exodus Americanus, another one of my friends from over there. Uh, and he's shown himself to be a very decent human being. And he is having some struggles uh, with his wife, who has been listening to him been and been a, a wife who has been paying close attention to her husband's advice but is now feeling the social pressure to put that poison in her body that uh, that they've been pushing and pushing and pushing over the past two years and he's trying to convince her not to do this, uh, she's looking at one of the uh, varieties of poison in particular and uh is under pressure from friends and family to move in this direction despite the fact that her husband who cares for her deeply uh, has very clearly advised the extreme danger that is attached to these things so i want to pray for him but i also want to pray for her because clearly she is struggling with influences and with the uh with the diabolical um and and many of the people who genuinely care about her but have fallen for these diabolical falsehoods are putting her off the right path and putting her at odds with her husband which is the work of the devil and I want to pray for her that she be freed from these influences these pressures uh, and that uh, her husband should uh, win out in this uh, in this difficult uh, argument uh, this difficult uh, what's the word that I'm looking for uh, Controversy—the controversy—is the correct word for this. So we're going to pray for SB and for his wife, who are uh, struggling with contending with one another over the issue of the uh, uh, of the of the medical poisons. So let's go ahead and get our rosaries out. Today is a Friday, and despite the fact that I happen to know that SB is not a Roman Catholic, I'm not going to change my usual routine. We're going to pray in Latin today. In nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti. Amen. Pater Noster qui essencedis sanctificator nomen tuum. Adveniat regnum tuum. Fiat voluntas tua secut in cielo et in terra. Panum nostrum quotidianum de nobis hodiae et dimiti nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos minimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Teco, benedicta Tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris Tui, Jesus. et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. benedicta Tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris Tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora nobis peccatoribus nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum. Benedicta Tu in murieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum, benedicta Tu in murieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris Tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, grazia plena, Dominus Teco. Benedicta tu in et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus nunc et in ora mortis nostri Amen Gloria patri et Filii et Spiritui sancto. sicur erat in principio et nunc et semper et in saecula saeculorum Amen Salve Regina Mater Misericordia Vita Dulcedo et Spes Nostre Salve Ad te clamamus, exulis filia evi. Ad te suspiramus, cementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos misercordes oconos, ad nos converte. Et iesum, beatum fructum ventris tui, nobis posthoc exilium, Ostende O clemens, O pia, O vtuce, Virgo Maria, ora pro nobis, sancta Dei genetrix, ut digni efficiamor promissionibus Christi, remus. For forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, May by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of the Church, Mother of Saints, Queen of Heaven, Mother of us all, obedience and humility were the defining features of your life on earth. You made of yourself a perfect vessel, or rather, permitted yourself to be made a perfect vessel for God to be incarnate, and thereby brought life into the world to be given by God to all mankind. By thy intercessions, most powerful before the throne of thy Son and our God, let not the strength of this the handmaid of God waver. Let not the hope of this the servant of God fade, but rather through thy intercessions let God grant them the most important virtues that they have faith in him that they hope in his promises and that all their actions be guided by the love of God first and foremost the love of each other O lady before you the demons flee for thou art most highly favored by our Lord drive the demons of consternation and controversy away from this family. Let there be peace among them, that they may flee all evil things and strive for God and God alone. And this we ask in the name of thy Son, whom thou wast privileged to bear, our God, Jesus Christ, who livest and reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God World without end. Amen. For all of us in all our controversies, consternations, and difficulties, Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Sacretissimum cor miserere nobis. Sacretissimum cor miserere nobis. Sacretissimum cor Iesu, regnum tu. In nomini Patris, in et Spiritui Sancto. Spiritus Sancti. Amen. It's funny how when you slow down, you actually make more mistakes with the Latin. I'm used to just rattling it off, and I know it like that. And when I start to, I slowed myself down explicitly because I knew that there are people listening who would not understand the language. I was hoping that you might be able to um, follow along. If you know the English prayers, the uh, the angelic salutation uh, and the Lord's Prayer and the, uh, and the Glory Be, if you know those prayers, it should be fairly easy to spot Where the Latin is so it'll sort of act as you can pray and you can unite yourself to all of our ancestors who prayed in Latin and in the midst of it you can get yourself a little bit of a language lesson as well so that's the reason why you'll notice I prayed a little bit differently today slowed things down a bit it was to make sure that I enunciated and clearly pronounced every single word but there at the end you found me using the wrong syntax for the Latin in the sign of the in the signal cru, uh, Crucis, uh, because I, for some reason I went back to the glory be. Uh, anyway, uh, it's it's just funny how that how that works. You get used to something and it comes out as muscle memory, and then you stop thinking about it. Uh, perhaps that's an argument against Latin. I I don't think that it is, but I could see it uh, being uh, give uh, give uh, give ground where there where it's it's fitting. I had someone reach out to me, and a longtime listener, ask, "You know, I know you're doing the marriage thing this week, and it's been very edifying. But I'm single. Is there anything you can, you you have to say, any advice that you would give to single guys?" And I, you know, I've I've said before, I don't want to be a dear Abby. I'm not here to really give advice because I, I've learned everything that I've learned from screwing up. So. Uh, the the chances are I'm going to give you advice that's going to teach you the same way that I've been taught which is I'm going to give you bad advice you're going to make mistakes and then you'll learn not to take my advice Uh, so when I offer these reflections they're not really meant as advice per se uh, but nevertheless I, I do have reflections on and that's the other problem of course is that I have reflections on married life because I've been married for so long I have fewer reflections on single life because i was so blessed i got very very lucky god stepped into my life uh my wife and i have known each other since we were very young since we we were teenagers uh just teenagers you you know 13 14 years old and so for me it was never a matter of participating in this sort of sexual marketplace that the uh, traditional enemies of the truth, as one of my favorite historians puts it, have constructed. And if you doubt that they're the ones behind the construction, just look at the way that it works. The devil's hand is all over it. There's no way you could tell me that the dating scene is not explicitly designed by the synagogue of Satan. It, It absolutely is. And we all have to suffer through it because it's unfortunately the structure in which we're it's the water in which we're swimming until we find cleaner pools we're stuck here and I was spared that I, I did not have to swim in those waters fortunately and so I have very little advice to give because and I have very little reflections to offer on it because I have so little experience with it uh, I can look to, we can look to the saints and see what they have to say uh, which is always the best thing to do on the subject of men and women you know saint augustine also whose feast we are to celebrate tomorrow by the way we're wrapping up that uh, that novena the 40-day novena to saint augustine tomorrow he lived in a similar time with similar evils and participated in them he swam in the waters the poison waters of his own day he had himself a common-law wife who was a second-class wife? Very common at that time. You would have a mistress who acted as a sort of, as a sort of second-class wife, with whom you could have children, build a family, but she would not be someone that you appeared with socially. She was not uh, someone who participated in your social life. You would have another wife, a legal wife, uh, who would participate in higher society with you. She would usually come from a better a better birth, uh, and she would also uh, give you children. They would be legitimate children, uh, and that would be your public-facing family. But it was it was very common for a man to take one or even several mistresses uh, that he would also treat as wives, but would not appear in public. In everyone knew about them; they just didn't see them. It wasn't really polite, uh, and uh, and Saint Augustine was. One such as these. He took a woman who he planned to put away and then get a proper wife uh, when he got into Rome, or Milan, I think it was Milan that he was going to. He was planning on putting away this woman and getting himself a proper wife, or keeping the woman and getting a proper wife. Either one was common. And he had, in his sort of moment of clarity, where he came around on Christian morality and Christian living, he changed fundamentally, and he did an incredibly hard thing. He put this woman to the side without stepping out upwards at all. And he, in the Confessions, talks about how difficult this decision was for him, because he had intended to keep her, even if he got a proper wife, uh, because he was uh, emotionally incredibly attached to her these this in Roman times this is what marrying for love is you got yourself a second-class woman that you loved and she had all of the she had your children she had some of your children and, but you ke- you kept her around because you really cared about her and then you got a wife a proper wife uh, in married in the church that was there for social purposes building of a legitimate family, all of that sort of thing. So this notion of marriage for love is a is really it doesn't even fit into a Christian framework very very recent thing marriage has always served very practical functions throughout all of history first of all to rein in the temptations of, of lust and, and other temptations uh, secondly to fulfill the commandment to be fruitful and multiply and uh, thirdly to uh, establish oneself uh, in, in ties with the rest of the community to build alliances between tribes and families. This is the function of marriage. It always has been. Until very recently when people got it in their heads that oh no, we should marry for love. A lot of stuff that came from, uh, right, uh, from books written by women in the 19th century. I love my wife. I married my wife because I love her. I don't necessarily disparage that but it's also something that we should not pretend is a normal human thing. Throughout most of history, it's been the other way around. At any rate, Augustine, St. Augustine, was in this situation where he had a woman he was very deeply attached to, but he recognized that he was living in sin with her, that he could no longer swim in those poison waters, and so he put her away. He left her in Africa. It broke both their hearts. As a man, he moved beyond his broken heart, and from what we understand, there's very scant historical record referring to her, uh, but she seems to have moved on as well. And despite this sinfulness, both of them sought the forgiveness of the church and moved into more sinless lives. There is some speculation that she became a nun. Uh, Their son, Edoidatus, accompanied Augustine in some of his travels until he uh, died at a very young age, uh, which was very painful for Augustine, St. Augustine, but also revealed to him the mercies of God. You know, this son, who was very much a product of his sins, uh, nevertheless lived an incredibly godly life, uh, was incredibly wise in the scriptures, and um, I don't know that he's ever been canonized. St. Augustine had this habit of writing about everybody that he knew and was dear to him as though they were saints. And in one case, the Church has looked at it and said, yes, she was a saint, St. Monica. Um, I don't know that the same thing is true of Ediodatus. There's also no cultists that ever grew up around him. But he passed away at a very young age, and St. Augustine then really launched into his life as an ascetic and a bishop and all of those things that made him who he is, St. Augustine. But it was only through putting aside the evils Of the world that he was forced to live in that he became a great saint and you could take what lessons that you will from that but that was Augustine's decision and Adiodatus despite the fact that he was coming of marrying age never has a woman attached to him ever he remains celibate and he remains uh, attached to his father. Now, granted, he died in his late teens, so uh, that's something to bear in mind as well. Uh, a little bit young for marrying. Usually men married in their 20s or or even in their 30s at that time. Uh, I think average lifespan was 40 or 50. At any rate, he, he never had a woman attached to him. He was completely chaste and celibate. So he himself grew up in the midst of this culture of celibacy and chasteness and striving for God as a man. Now, that's not to say that you're a single guy, you can't find a woman. That means that, you know, just just give up. Um, and, And I can't really give advice one way or the other on it. I'm very happily married. I have a beautiful, large family and a lovely parish life. And I'm, I'm very, very happy with all those things. And they are a source of blessing to me and a source of tremendous help, too, spiritually speaking. So I, I can't recommend against the married life. I, I'm doing very well in it. I, probably I'm, I'm Catholic because of it. Uh, but at the same time, the lessons that we have to apply are lessons that we learn mostly from the saints, And St. Augustine is one. Uh, Another would be, uh, I'm thinking of the the married saints that I know. Um, St. Thomas More, I think, has some things to say, but he was a martyr, not really a teacher. And so you have to weigh what he has to say as well. Uh, the royal saints come to mind because all of them were married and all of them had responsibilities, worldly responsibilities, and it was through the fulfillment of these worldly responsibilities that they became saints, like St. Saint Louis the IX that we just celebrated yesterday. Uh, so that's another thing to, to bear in mind. Women have several uh, widows and, uh, and wives who have become saints, St. Monica comes immediately to mind. The, uh, the old church celebrates her in the month of May. The new church celebrates her uh, t- today, actually, I believe. It's the 27th. Yes, yes. today is her feast day in the new church. So uh, that's, she's, she's another example to look to in terms of married life. But in terms of single life and men who have turned from secular lives into the church, St. Augustine comes to mind, St. Ignatius comes to mind. i trying to think of some other men who were very secular uh, and, and turned away from that secular life to become great saints. Those two are the ones that immediately come to mind. I know there are others. Um, St. John Damascene, I believe. Uh, St. Gregory was always a, a monastic mind, so he's different. Uh, but these, you look to the saints and look to their example. They're the ones that give the best guidance. They always will. They always have. That's why. That's why they're saints. They're there. It's not that they're the only ones in heaven. It's those are the ones that the church has looked at and said, this person we can say definitively is in heaven. We're going to take the time to declare that because they have a lot to offer you. That's the whole point of of sainthood. Is these are these are not just people that we can say definitively are in heaven. There are a lot of people we can say definitively are in heaven. There's a lot of people we can say definitively are damned. The church chooses not to define those things. There are people, though, that they say are in heaven and set them aside so that we can look to them as examples. And, you know, actually that's a very fitting prayer, I think, to wrap this whole thing up. Because it is so much a reflection and advice giving and all of these sorts of things. I think the most fitting prayer to wrap this particular week up on, and it's a prayer that we probably ought to return to very frequently, it really does have evergreen power, and that is, let's all pray that we have the clarity of mind and the wisdom of the Holy Ghost to seek advice from the Holy Ones, from our elders in the faith and the saints, rather than from men ordinary men, fellow laymen and that we measure every bit of advice that we receive from ordinary men even those whom we respect deeply against the advice of the saints and seek wisdom from the only font that consistently gives it which is God and his holy saints so that we in following this advice might join them as members of the church triumph in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen